Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. It's good to have you with us today. Um, we're going to start a series called I Marriage. I'm going to do this for three weeks. Uh, the first installment is Keeping My Eye on You. And you're excited, right? Uh, whenever we talk about marriage, a certain group of you are more excited than others. And it's usually the females. They say, oh boy, and you try and drag your husbands if they don't come, or boyfriends, or whatever it might be. And so I'm a guy, I understand this, so I thought I would try and explain to you women why uh, we're that way. It's kind of like how most of you women treat your car. You don't care how it works, you don't care what you have to do to it. If the husband or boyfriend hands you that manual, you're not going to read it. If you put your key in and turn it and push on the gas, it goes, you're happy, right? Well, that's kind of the way guys feel about marriage. We don't want to work on it. We just want it to work. <laughs> okay? Now, <clears throat> guys, um, I'm going to have to say cars need routine maintenance, preventive maintenance, and so does marriage. And so let's try and be as excited about this as our wives or girlfriends are, okay? Now, we do one of these marriage series. We did one last February. It was called uh, Staying in Love. We have to pick some facet of relationships and um, let me just say this, the principle we're going to talk about, the major principle we're going to talk about, works for all relationships. So if you're here and you're not married or engaged, uh, there's a lot you can still learn. But we're going to pick one specific facet of, of relationships, especially marriage, and we're going to talk about it. And it, it's a really practical one. It's one I wished I would have learned uh, a lot sooner, and it's something I've just kind of figured out as I went along, and I, I've never heard anybody talk about it that way. Now, again, if you're single, um, those of us that aren't, we're going to feel a little convicted. We're going to feel like, you know, we should, should, could do better. But if you're single, guess what? You can just sit back and have no guilt whatsoever, right? You can just be happy that, you know, you don't have to uh, be concerned about all this stuff. Uh, but if you are married or if you plan to be married, um, hopefully this will be a lot of good stuff. So, we're going to start with these, these two boxes here. <clears throat> All of us approach marriage or when we're engaged with a box of, we're going to call box of desires. You can use the word wishes, hopes, or dreams, right? It's just normal, natural, and we should do that. We should approach that. that it's been 40 years ago for me, but uh, and we approach with those, the, those desires uh, that, is, that life is going to be a certain way, right? <clears throat> and... Uh, you know, we probably might start off in, a, in an apartment somewhere, but eventually want to have one of these, right? And uh, purchase one of these and uh, pay for it for the next 30 years or whatever. But, you know, it's, you, it's your home. It's your house uh, that you get to live in. So that's usually one of our des common desires that probably all of us have or almost all of us have, right? And then uh, we have... Um, different roles in marriage and I got to talk about mine I can't talk about yours like in our house my wife does the laundry okay she uh, washes the clothes dries the clothes folds the clothes puts them away it's, it's fantastic for, for me as a guy uh, I don't have to worry about it if she leaves town she's got to give me a list of instructions how to do it because I don't know how to do it um, but uh, that's one of the chores that, in our house is uh, that she takes care of on the other hand anything that requires one of these my wife doesn't do, <laughs> all right? So anything needs to be fixed, uh, wrench, 
hammer. She can hold it, but that's about it. She, nothing else in, in that realm does she do. So that's one of the roles I have. And it might be different. Um, in, my, in my house, my wife cooks. I don't cook. Some of you guys cook, I know, but I don't cook. And she's leaving for a week starting next Saturday, so I'm going to have to manage for a week. But anyway, uh, we have our roles, right? I desire my wife to cook for me like my mom cooked for me, and she does. And Wash the clothes like my mom did. And a lot of this stuff comes from our parents or from the family we grew up in. <clears throat> and then eventually we want to have, uh, we might start off with some clunker type of car, but eventually you might want to have a car like this or a Mustang. Some of you, this is actually a Corvette. I don't have one of these. I actually got a Z car last year, so it uh, took me 40 years. But, you know, eventually you want to have some kind of nicer wheels to drive around in, right? That's probably part of some of your hopes and dreams. Another area is this, time, right? Uh, and when you're dating, you want to be together all the time, right? Or when you're engaged. But, it's, you know, it's really not realistic, and you really don't I approach marriage with the desire we're going to be together all the time. All right, so, but you make some decisions about, well, you'll have your friends, I'll have my friends, we'll have common friends, etc. Another thing about time is, some of us are on time when we're 10 minutes early and some of us are on time when we're what? 10 minutes late. I'm the early one, my wife's the late one, all right? Now she's gotten a lot better after 40 years, but it used to drive me crazy. Another thing is, I'm a morning person, she's not. You know, so in the evening when I'm ready to go to bed, she's just getting cranked up, you know, on a party, whatever, I get up and just jump out of bed. She hits the snooze button a couple times, right? All right, so you got to figure that all out. You got to hope and hopes and desires around time. And guys, you probably have a hope and desire that your wife doesn't come to bed dressed in one of these. <laughs> okay. Um, and her, on the other hand knows you're going to love her no matter how she comes to bed, and this is so comfortable, you're going to be glad that she came to bed this way. So our hopes and dreams aren't always the same. Uh, for most of us, when we're along the line, we want someone to come along that uses these. And our marriage, uh, about a year and a half in, Joshua showed up, and then three others uh, later on. <laughs> and um, so that's another hope or dream that we might have. <clears throat> so these are desires, hopes and dreams are natural. We come into to a marriage or a committed relationship with those. <clears throat> now, we're going to talk about this, about a principle that come, becomes involved with our hopes and dreams and desires. It's kind of a, a, a subconscious thing that happens. What happens is, stuff in this box... And it just happens. It's just part of relationship. Stuff in this box gets moved over to this box. And we're going to call this box expectations. So I have hopes and dreams that my wife will do the clothes. But then it easily becomes an expectation. I expect her to do that. Uh, same with these other things. Uh, uh, when, we don't know sure when it's going to happen, but we, you know, a house, get a house, get a nicer car. Uh, oh, one I didn't share with is a biggie. Where is it in here? And always involved is this issue here, isn't it? Uh, 
how much money we're going to make, when we're going to make, we're going to make more money, how much we're going to save, how we're going to spend it, etc., etc. So once something moves from this box to this box, and it's really subtle, and I'll try to explain it, the dynamic in your relationship changes. But coming into marriage or coming to the relationship, this box is all about my, I, desire, right? I desire our time would be this way. I desire our chores will be this way, our responsibilities. And when you get married, guess what happens? You get two eyes, right? And so as we've already said, they're not always the same. So once the two big eyes collide, there's only a few options, right? So let's talk about the options a little bit. One option is you can leave. The perfect, in my case, the perfect wife looks like this and you don't look like that. You don't get up on time, you make me late to things, uh, you know, you don't do my clothes, whatever, whatever it might be. Perfect wife looks like this, so you don't look like this, which that means I'm going to go out and find the perfect wife that meets all my hopes, wishes, and desires. So I dump them on my wife, and she doesn't go along, she doesn't comply, so I'm going to go out and find somebody else to dump all my hopes, wishes, and desires on, become expectations. And some of you are married more than once, and often that second marriage looks like the first marriage. Why? Because you enter that with the same I marriage, my hopes, my wishes, my desires. Another option is, when the two eyes collide, is to conquer. And often in a relationship, one is more domineering than the other. And they kind of force their hopes, wishes, and desires on the other. And uh, the other spouse tries to comply, tries to go along. And if you're the domineering one, it seems to be working, doesn't it? Hey, they're doing what I want them to do. They're acting the way I want them to do. They're complying. Now here's the issue though. It's really easy for you to be you, right? You don't have to wake up in the morning and pray, God, please help me be me. You don't do that. But it's really stressful for your spouse to be you, isn't it? And so the flip side of the conquer is uh, they try and conform. They say, I want us to be happy. I want our marriage to be peaceful. So I'm going to do everything I can to make my spouse happy. But again, it is so stressful for uh, the one that's trying to conform, trying to be something they're not. And I see this. You can do this for sometimes 10 plus years. In fact, I've just heard about two different marriages that broke up after 30 years. I don't know the issue that happened, but I would almost guarantee you that part of it is this. Because it's too hard to conform to somebody else's hopes, wishes, and desires, to be something you're not. And then probably the most common option when two eyes collide is this one. It's compromise. Now all relationships have a component of compromise, but let me explain it this way. This means I will do this if you will do that. So again, it's just two different eyes. 
Alright? I have mine over here and you have yours over here. And sometimes we compromise. Sometimes we do mine. Sometimes we do yours. I call this a 50-50 marriage. The problem in the 50-50 marriage is this. I always feel like I'm doing my 50, but you're not quite doing 50. You might be doing 40. And so that's where the problem comes. Now another way you can tell if you're in a compromised marriage is if you start talking about your marriage this way. I am committed to this marriage. I'm going to save this marriage. I'm going to do everything I can for this marriage. The problem with that is you can't find that in the Bible. Can't. Not in there. Besides, I don't want my wife's name's Deb. I don't want Deb to be committed to our marriage. I want Deb to be committed to me, right? And I hope she doesn't want me to be committed to our marriage. I hope that she wants me to be committed to her. Because she's just committed to the marriage. She can find any old guy, right? Because I'm committed to the marriage. So what happens in a compromised uh, marriage is this. Marriage moves from covenant mode to contract mode. I do my 50%, you do your 50%. This is our contract. This is the agreement we have. And so, <clears throat> we settle, for a better word, we settle for something less than the ideal marriage. We can't figure this thing out, so we're kind of compromised. Uh, I do half of, and he does half. I pay half the bills, he pays half the bills, etc., etc. The problem with a compromised marriage is the first thing that goes is affection, intimacy, uh, and closeness. And so we see these people that coexist. Probably you know some people that are married. They're just, just, just coexisting. Now, is there another option? Yes, but we're not going to talk about it today. I got you. You got to come back the next two weeks to find out about the other option. But I do want to talk a little bit more about this thing that creates this tension. So anytime a relationship has tension, it, it's difficult. What's happened is you've moved hopes, wishes, and desires over into this expectation box. And what's happened is your desires are translated into expectations. You create a debt-debtor relationship. They owe me this. I expect this. She owes me this. She expects this. So we dump our desires on our spouse and they become expectations and we can say it this way well I, you know they promised he she promised he promised it's even in our wedding vows that he would provide for me or he would do this or she would do that it's and you can justify whatever expectations you may have of your spouse the problem is there's no unconditional love over there or just expectation. I say, here, here, here's how it works. When my wife does the clothes, when I expect her to do the clothes, does she get any credit for that? Zero. She's just doing what I expect her to do. When I fix stuff around the house, that's her expectation of me. Do I get any credit for that? No, it's her expectation. That's just what husbands do. That's just what wives do. No love. There's no... <laughs> Uh, giftingness. Nobody gets any credit. It's all just two big eyes. Let me try and illustrate this for you. <clears throat> Actually, I've got two mortgages, but many of you might have a mortgage payment. Now, did your mortgage company send you a letter, a thank you letter this past month? 
maybe even perfumed with a gift card in there. I want to thank you so much for paying your mortgage. I'm going to give you a gift card. Go out and have a, good, a nice meal on us. We really appreciate it that you paid your mortgage or maybe from your power company or if you got a car loan from your, you know, Hagerstown Honda or whatever. Uh, we're so thankful you paid your car payment this month. Here's a gift card for you. Show our appreciation. When is the only time you hear from your mortgage company or Hagerstown Honda or the power company? When you don't pay your mortgage or your bill, right? That's the only time you hear from them. If you try and reach them by phone, normally you can't get through, can you? You get all kinds of automated stuff. It's really difficult to actually talk to a person. But if you stop making your payments, somebody will call you. You'll get to talk to somebody, won't you? So it's not when you meet your expectations, it's only when you don't meet the expectations. And for some of you, that's the way your marriage feels. I get no credit for what I do. I just get in trouble when I don't. The only attention I get is negative attention. So, we've got our two boxes. We've got natural hopes, dreams, and desires. But the problem comes when they, when they turn into expectations. And it's easy for us to say, well, you know, you promised we are going to have a house one day. When? When are we going to have this house? Or you promised we were going to take this trip. When are we going to take this trip? And usually the one, one spouse or the other is more, again, more domineering. And so they feel like they have to motivate the spouse because they're not really self-motivated. We have a word for that. What do, we, what do we call that? That's nagging, right? I got to motivate them. I got to nag them to, to meet my expectations. Now, we talked about uh, we're at 500 year anniversary of the Reformation, right? And that started when Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the Wittenberg, Wittenberg I'm sure that's the name of it, church door. Well, he eventually got married, and so I love this cartoon. Luther's wife posts her 95 theses to the refrigerator. You will wash the dishes. That's a good one. You will, won't leave the toilet seat up. You will pick up your clothes. You must, must, must. And sometimes our marriages feel like that, don't they? Now here's a fascinating thing though. Behind these expectations, almost always are legitimate God-given desires. There's nothing wrong with them. In fact, again, they're God-given. <clears throat> I'm not going to get up here and tell you, okay, the next week I'm going to tell you, just get rid of all your hopes, dreams, and desires. For one thing, I'm not that spiritual. But for another, that's not healthy. These are God-given. I just put a, a list of them on your outline, and it could be a really long list. Especially for guys, it's important that our wives respect us. Again, even if we don't deserve it. And for wives, it's a big deal that they be cherished. We put them on a pedestal. Again, even if they don't deserve it, that, that, and hopefully they do, but we, we do that. We all want to be accepted for who we are, not for who somebody wants to change us into or make us. All want to be loved, understood, appreciated, 
desired, whether we look like a model or not, or, you know, we got muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger or not, we still want to be desired, right? We want to be listened to, and the list could go on and on and on. So, a lot of these things in this box are, are good, they're fine, they're healthy. Again, the problem is when they become expectations. So how do you know? How do you, how do you know when something's moved from a desire to an expectation? And this is going to be a little convicting. It was a little convicting for me. <clears throat> two ways, let me share two ways anyway you can tell. One is expressions of gratitude. Now again, when my wife does the clothes because I expect her to do clothes or I fix things because she expects me to fix things, do you express gratitude? Just do what they expect. The mortgage company doesn't express gratitude for paying the bill, right? So that's how you can tell when there are expectations, especially about the, the menial things, the ongoing things like clothes and, and fixing meals and cleaning the house and taking care of the car and the lawn, lawn and all these type of menial things. When you stop expressing gratitude, thankfulness, appreciation to your spouse when they've done these things, you've, they've moved from desires to expectation. You stay-at-home moms. When was the last time you thanked your husband for making enough money so you could stay at home? Guys, when was the last time you thanked your wife for fixing that meal or doing your clothes or keeping the house clean? I know some of you ladies work. I'm not saying that that's for everyone. <clears throat> we homeschool. How often did I tell my wife, I thank you that you spent all this time and energy homeschooling our kids. Expressions of gratitude. for the quote-unquote roles we have in marriage. That keeps them from becoming expectations. It keeps them over here in the desire box. The other way you can tell is by acts of service. So my wife washes and dries the clothes and they're sitting there unfolded and then I say, oh, it's her job to fold them. Or if I jump in and fold them, I've just moved laundry from expectations to hopes, dreams, and desires. Um, could be anything. Uh, emptying the dishwasher. I was emptying the dishwasher this morning. For my, normally she does it, but I was doing it. Just because I had to be able to tell you about it this morning. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I go wash, wash past the dishwasher and, yeah, normally she unloads it, but you know, I unload it. That keeps that from becoming an expectation and becomes uh, back here in the desire box. Uh, I did want to take a couple of minutes and review what we talked about last week, especially if you weren't here. We talked about, especially in New Testament days, marriage was characterized by male domination and Jesus came along and taught something different, something about mutual care and submission. We didn't even read what Jesus said. We just, after he got finished speaking, the guy said, I, th I think we'd rather not be married than have that kind of marriage. But then Paul came along and he's trying to explain things to us, some of the principles that Jesus taught. So we read a verse that Paul wrote. It's in Ephesians chapter 5 where he says, uh, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's addressing people that are married. 
And so it's a mutual submission thing. Uh, husbands submit to wives, wives submit to the husband. And then they get to the next verse which says wives submit to your husbands. Which is written to wives, not written to the husbands. So, you know, guys don't you need to pay attention to that. I don't know why God reiterated it for wives, um, but he did. And then the next verse, or next couple of verses, talk about what the guys have to do. And it doesn't say submit. It says you love your wives like Christ loved the church and died for it. So I always tell couples when I'm counseling, guys got the harder job. We don't just have to submit, we've got to die. No more I when you die, right? So then we made this statement, Christian marriage is a submission competition. So, guys and gals, how many of you consider yourself competitive? Put your hands up, let's be honest, I'm a competitive guy, yeah. Most of you I know a little bit, I can tell. So we should be the best at marriage, this marriage thing. Because we're competitive, right? And we use the word defer. So I'm going to win at marriage. I'm going to defer more to my spouse than they defer to me. Because that's how I win. I'm competitive. Anytime your marriage has that tension, it feels difficult, it feels hard, it doesn't feel pleasant. I can almost guarantee you, at least part of the issue is the I. I've got my I on you. So let's just kind of imagine. We're about finished. We'll have a song and let you go. Can we imagine if we keep all our hopes, dreams, and desires over here in this box? And when they are fulfilled, we have a sense of gratitude. And our love grows, right? Oh, I love you so much as you did. Oh, I love you so much as you did that. But we all probably have some stuff over here. So how do we get it back over here? We're going to talk about it for the next two weeks, but we're going to help you with some home. Again, single folks, you can forget this. (laughs) Engaged? Not so much. Here's your homework. What does your spouse owe you? And my wife and I talked about this. We have a bunch of stuff over here. Again, I talked about some of them today. What do you expect from them? And so we're talking about how to get it back over here. And one of the ways we do that is what we just read, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. Jesus submitted himself to us enough to die for us. He just asked us to submit to our spouse. So again, we're going to talk about this in the next two weeks, but I'd ask you every day to have a little conversation with your spouse or your future spouse. Work on this question. What does my spouse owe me? Can you do that? I'm going to ask you next week, all right? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for marriage. We thank you for the intimacy that we can have with another person here on earth. Uh, We thank you that you give us tremendous instruction and guidelines to make this really great. And I pray that we would have great marriages. God, give us the wisdom to know what what the to do it with what we heard and the courage, the strength to actually do it. And not just this week, but all the weeks, weeks to come. 
We pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower. We're glad that you're here. Uh, you can take this opportunity to step across that line and, and pray that prayer or say, yes, Jesus, I, wanna, I want you to be part of my relationships with you and with one another. Um, if you pray that prayer, we'd, we'd love to hear, uh, uh, hear about that. Uh, Father God, thank you for your presence here. Uh, help us all in our, all of our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.